We are back with Big Sky Big Takes week number six. I'm your host for this one, folks, Colby Peterson. Uh, on the show this time around, first podcast, we were talking about this uh, before we started the, the stream here, Montana Parlay, first podcast of the season for him, and he's doing Big Sky Big Takes. Parlay, how you doing, man? Doing all right. You know, it's a little a lot of pressure here. Like A couple other guys <laughs> had some commit, other commitments. You know, I'm, I'm le- left here exposed. My takes are just all my terrible takes are going to be exposed. I have no one to pick me up. You know, Nuge can't save me with or Brent can't bring any knowledge. Nate can't, you know, defer with some humor. So I, I'm stuck. I Rory or uh bear tycoon can't make me look good with his worst take. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do today. Well, I'm sure you're going to be just fine, man. I mean, I mean, we, if you, if you folks don't know, we have a big sky podcast network, Twitter chat, and so everybody's kind of in there talking about whatever's going on on a particular weekend. We talk throughout the week. And so, you know, Parley, you're, you're all right, man. You got good takes. I think you're going to be just fine. But we do want to say that there may be some folks to hop on a little bit later. So if that happens, we will welcome them. But as it sits right now, you've got just Colby Peterson from Weber State Weekly and Montana Parlay. So um, let's talk a little bit about the show, man. Uh, so if you know the format of Big Sky Big Takes, we're going to talk about three of what we feel are the most impactful matchups of the last week. And so for this week, a little bit of slim pickings. We had a two key members of the Big Sky on by, and that's Montana and Idaho. Uh, they'll be back facing each other this next weekend. But so those guys, no games for them. And so for us this week, we'll be talking about Idaho State making the trip up to Bozeman to face your Montana State Bobcats, right, Parlay? Uh Idaho State, Montana State, last week. What? Yep, that 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 game happened. Uh, no, then we'll we'll also be talking about Northern Colorado taking the trip out to Sac State, and uh, we'll talk uh, about how that went. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then finally, we'll wrap up with Eastern Washington taking the trip down to Ogden to face number seven Weber State. Yes. Um, which is obviously a game that I watched because it was our homecoming game, and I'm a I'm a Wildcat guy, so. Uh, but before we get into all that, man, want to encourage everybody. Um, this this show is put on in conjunction with the FCS Fans Nation Network, and so want to encourage you to go check out all of the good content that exists on this YouTube channel. If you're listening to it on YouTube or uh, through one of those channels, of course, you may be listening to it through one of the Big Sky Podcast Network members. Uh, so. That's uh that's nice, and we'll talk about them in just a second. But make sure you're checking out the FCS Fans Nation Network because there are a lot of good content. They're talking about the FCS broadly. I've been I've been learning a lot about the swack guys, and it's uh, and it's all thanks to the FCS Fans Nation guys. Um, so I'm really interested to understand who is swack because apparently that's a question that's been raised in the last week. <laughs> but we also want to shout out some of our fellow Big Sky Podcast Network members. If you're listening to this show on that network. Uh, you may be listening to Tubs at the Club. You may be listening to the Grizz Fan Pod. You may be listening to R&R CatCast, our friends talking about Montana State, uh, the two Ryans. We may be talking about, you may be hearing us at Weber State Weekly. Uh, you may be hearing this at, I mean, Eagles Power Hour, which is technically a member of the FCS Fans Nation Network. But uh, am I leaving anybody out there, Parley? I think I got everybody, but I just want to make sure I didn't d- ditch anybody. Oh, we got the NAU uh, uh, sports show as well. With Casey, I think that's everybody. Right? Good enough for me. Yeah, good enough for you. But all right, man. Let's let's talk a little bit now that we've sort of taken care of business. We've we've gone through all of the stuff. Uh, we've talked to everybody. Let's talk a little bit about Big Sky football. So let's start out with uh, with a game that um, 
I'm sure you were very interested in as a Montana State guy, right? Uh, so we'll talk uh, a little bit about Idaho State taking the trip up to Bozeman to face the Bobcats. Um, probably give me your kind of initial reactions with this one. I think everybody sort of understood that this was going to be a game where maybe the Bobcats were going to continue to kind of tune things up as their schedule gets stiffer. Like, how how did you all as Cat fans see this game going into it because we know the problems that Idaho state has had this season. And of course in seasons past, but especially with the new head coach this year. Well, it was, you know, and I'm going to take a look at things a lot from like the gambling perspective, as far as what the lines were ahead of the game, yeah. uh, what I bet on who covered. Cause as far as, you know, who, what the matchups are, the X's and the O's, I, that's not my specialty, at least not now when we were talking earlier, this is the first week I've actually been able to sit down and watch some football, at least on an actual TV screen. Uh, I've been playing some rec sports in my men's baseball league at playoffs. So uh, it, this is the first time I was at home watching a TV rather than catching bits and pieces on ESPN plus on my phone every once in a while. So it was nice to sit back and watch a game. Um, you know, it, we're also talking, there haven't been marquee matchups yet this year, this year in the big sky. I mean, MSU at, Eastern, Weber Eastern, we'll get into that later. But, you know, Eastern's just going through such a tough schedule and they're getting, yeah. they're just getting all these tough games at the wrong time. So it's not like, you know, I'm going to take too much from it, except, all right, Montana had a close game against Idaho State. So a little bit of bragging rights if we can come out and smash them, which we should. Now, you know, yeah. I think, Football-wise, you know, if you take a look at the box scores of both games um, and take into consideration that our game was at home, which is a little better atmosphere for our team than whole <laughs> arena for any visiting team. You know, I don't know what the spread difference is when you take, you know, say a home game in Montana to either Wagres or in Bozeman versus going to Holt. That, that spread difference is a little bit more than the three-point swing on both sides, I I would sure. guess. So we had six turnovers in that game. Montana State was giving up some yards on some drives. Uh, but every time they sniffed the red zone, they turned the ball over. Um, you know, and that's what a good team will do to a bad team, you know, when things are breaking their way. I know, um, like, when the Grizz played them, they turned. They had two fumbles, turned it over twice. Idaho State had four fumbles and kept it every time. So it's like we took all the, you know, good luck that Idaho State had from last week and flipped it on them at our home field and just kicked the crap out of them. Um, the spread was 25 and a half. I bet on the Cats. I felt like that was low um, considering all the factors and probably was low because they kept it close with the Grizz the week before. Um, and actually, even though it seemed like we were just winning by 40 the whole game, that gambling wise, that came into play towards the end. Like it just would have taken yeah. one, one little freak touchdown, one, a little garbage time touchdown, one, a little turnover by the Bobcats late when they're got their second and third string in. And I wouldn't have won that bet, but they ended up, taking it 37 to six and chambers once again, looked really good. So that'll make for some interesting talking points next week or this, this game coming up. Certainly. Right. And like you said, a really important thing to consider going into this one is that Idaho state right now, the 11th out of 12th 
rushing defense in the big sky. Guess yeah. who's number one at the the number one rushing offense in the big sky? Far and away. Why it's the Montana Bobcats. So more of the Montana State Bobcats. And so you sort of like you look at that, and it's not, I mean, when I when I look at running the ball. There are, there's less to worry about, right? It's not like the passing game where it takes, okay, yes, if you're a prolific passer, uh, there are things that you can do. Running the ball is running the ball, man. And so if Idaho State was going to really struggle to contain the Montana State offense on the ground, it was going to be a long day for the stripes. And that's exactly what happened, right? Like when you look, I don't think that they threw for a touchdown. They were all rushing touchdowns for the entire game. That's that's what they wanted to do, and they didn't have to take that risk, right? They didn't have to even try the air because they didn't need to. You can just hand the ball off to a number of 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 great backs, or you know, in in the case of Sean Chambers, a uh, I don't know a, a combo quarterback slash running back. The dude's just a he's just a unit, and uh, but no no touchdowns thrown for him. Only 150 yards passing, but he didn't yeah. need it. They just ran the ball all over him. It's like. Baseball playoffs are on now, you know. Yes, they and, are. Uh, if your pitcher's throwing good heat and the batter is way behind it, you never throw the changeup or the curveball. If he has, if he looks like he's swinging a sword at the fastball, you stick with the fastball. Same thing when this game, they can't stop the run. Why the hell would you pass the ball? And you're exactly right. The cat, the cats had four rushing touchdowns, so a couple field goals. Didn't throw for a touchdown, not a single passing touchdown. So, but why? Why would you? Yeah, you don't need to take that risk. You know, just so they did what they needed to do at home, homecoming, big, big crowd. Uh, And, you know, honestly, Idaho State picking up some garbage time touchdowns and, and capitalizing on turnovers to get within eight points of the Grizz at home was probably their Super Bowl for this year. Yeah, it seems like they have one of those every year, right? Last year, it was uh, when they beat Davis, right? It was like, what? Idaho State beat Davis? Like, what? Because Davis was a playoff team. Of course, they lost in the first round. But, uh, you know, that that was a stunning loss by the Aggies on the road in Pocatello. And so it seems like the Stripes have one of those in them every year. Of course, the Grizz pull the, pull the win out of Pocatello and, and get to go back to Missoula on a on on a win streak uh into the bye week uh but i i agree with you parlay like going into this it was like okay if the grizz or if the grizz played worse than what the bobcats are going to play against the stripes uh that can maybe give us a a, a a glimpse of what we might see later in the season and and that's what happened right like the bobcats did what they were going to do and they ran the ball on them and it, the game was never in question idaho state scores in the first quarter, they score sure. a touchdown. They missed the extra point, and that was all the points they scored. They didn't. They never made a trip back to the end zone. And a minute and, and a half game, <laughs> right? And that was it, right? Like that. That was all of the offense. That was as close as they were going to get. So, going down and taking a, a a look at red zone chances, they actually never even got to the red zone because of the way that that touchdown came. Uh, they ended up, you know, it was a 36 yard pass to um, from Gronauer to James. And so technically the stripes never sniffed the red zone because the the Montana state defense just shut them down. They, they couldn't get close. Yeah. And 
turnovers came into play and there's a certain amount of luck with that but you know when you're the better team you're putting pressure on a team um it's gonna happen and you know Idaho State felt like they had to pass the ball they had to force things um but you know six to zero turnover margin that's not gonna end well no matter who you are and when you're probably one of the worst teams in the FCS it's really going to be bad so I mean if I the more I talk like it that way we should have won by 50 so you know I reality check they're bad they turn the ball over a lot um but we did what we had to do yeah so so question to you because um a lot of the Bobcats and we talked about this I think last week or the week before about the fact that the Bobcats lost a lot of guys on defense guys who are playing in the NFL now guys like Daniel Hardy guys like Troy Anderson I mean, and so that front seven lost some really key guys. And so in this one, Montana State comes away with just one sack on a, an Idaho State team that is not necessarily very prolific in defending the quarterback, right? Like looking at the conference stats right now, I mean, Idaho State ranks currently in the conference. They rank 11th out of 12 in sacks given up. The Bobcats only mustered one sack against Idaho State. I mean, as a Bobcat fan, how are you feeling about that performance? You know, because it feels like right now the Bobcats not getting home maybe as much as maybe Bobcat fans would like. Uh, right now, you know, they're they're second in the conference with 15. So it's like, yeah, well, that was just one game. But you look at the competition thus far and it's like, man, I mean, is, is that a concern for Bobcat fans at all? Or is it just like, eh, it's not that big a deal? The defense is a huge concern for all of us Bobcat fans. I mean, Fair. we made it to the championship last year and we lost guys to the NFL, like you said. So legit we, guys, guys you know, that I watched play in Ogden last season who were dudes. Yeah. Like Hardy went to a whole nother level in the he was playoffs. Incredible. Just unbelievable what he did in those games against Sam Houston and uh, South Dakota State. So when you lose a guy like that, obviously, you know, you don't need to say much about Anderson. I mean, he <laughs> lost him too, obviously. So just an athlete. And then looking at how we've performed at certain points against Eastern and, you know, here and there and against other teams, it's, it's like, oh boy, what's going to happen when we play, you know, Montana or SAC? Uh, let's see, who do we even play? We've got a pretty favorable schedule. Uh, that's the thing is our schedule is very yeah. favorable, um, but it makes me nervous for when we play a great offense or even a good offense. Um, but what helps what's is, you know, I've been following the Bobcats for a while is when you have a good running team and you can control that clock, that is so helpful for the defense. You know, there were those teams under Ash and, with some of those quick strike offenses guys, we just aired it out um, with McGee and Prukop that we just, we'd score so quick and our defense was not very good. And then they'd go back out there and they'd give up a quick one. So that's, you know, the one saving grace with our, you know, we're nowhere near where we were last year is they can rest. So they'll be able to figure some things out, keep guys fresh, and hopefully find a way to get some pressure um, against these better teams that we're going to be seeing here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, because I took a look at the upcoming schedule for the Bobcats, and in my view, there are two really important games 
Uh, I think the Bobcats are a playoff team. I think they will get in the playoffs. Looking at the schedule, it's very favorable. Like you said, the Bobcats have played very tough schedules. Um, if you know anything about the Big Sky, you know, teams will play each other every, you know, like you'll play each other twice in a three-year period. So you'll always have a, a year off. I feel like this is the Bobcats year off on some of those really, really tough teams. And so this year, obviously, they're yeah. going to play the Grizz every single year because that's what it is. But this year so far, I mean, it's just they, they played Eastern, who's having a really tough go because there's some there's some some stuff to work on there. And then Weber. And and then, of course, they'll play the Grizz at the end of the season. And so remaining are just the Weber game and that Grizz game. And so it looks like pretty good odds that Montana State is going to make the playoffs right now. And so Cat fans have to be feeling pretty good about that. But my other question about that is that right now, the Bobcats are dead last in the conference in passing yards. Of course, they haven't needed to pass because they're number one in rushing offense, right? They're absolutely crushing it, averaging 289 yards a game. It's just a bonkers number on the ground, right? But my question to you, Parley, is that there are a couple of tough run defenses coming. Are there concerns that should the rushing offense not be as productive as it needs to be in those situations that they can get it done through the air? Uh, yes. I mean, it's hard, hard to know because we've got sure. some issues going on with QB, like um, as far as Tommy going out and Chambers, just if you've watched him run, like, it, it, I mean, he doesn't need yeah. to throw in it. And he did make some great throws in that Davis game. Like, so that's what I was going to say. He threw some absolute Davis dimes game, in that game. He was throwing dimes and whether Tommy can do that too. Um, you know, it, I try not to be too much of a pessimist. Others in the chat might say I'm too much. And some of it's, some of it's the old, you know, reverse jinx for the gambling angle. But, yeah. you know, when you watch that run, the Bobcats went on last year. Now in hindsight, is it like, how much of that was just the magic of Tommy and how much of it was once again, an NFL tan talent and Lance McCutcheon, you know, because yeah. he, Tough that, was a, that was some of the biggest plays we had in that playoff run was just throwing those bombs to Lance McCutcheon and whether he are throwing it directly to him or not, he's going to garner some attention. And we got some dudes now that are making some great plays um, on the few times we are passing it, but, what it comes down to, you know, whether we're talking defense, passing game, anything, and I don't care if it's the Bobcats, the Grizz, um, heck, Weber, Sack, any of these teams that are at the top of the big sky, we haven't been tested yet. You know, we have not been tested yet this year. So, you know, it's kind of speculation, but what's cool is we're going to find out real quick, you know, yeah, couple, over the next couple three weeks, weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a couple of weeks, the Wildcats will be taking the trip up to Bozeman to face the Bobcats at Bobcat Stadium. It's a massive game. Um, big, big playoff implications, obviously. And um, also um, very interested to see how that game shakes out because it will determine the Big Sky pecking order. And as we've talked about in the past couple of weeks uh, for these doing the Big Sky Big Takes here, it's, man, like the Big Sky is really, really deep at the top this year. I mean, there are five potential playoff teams uh, if you include Idaho and you believe that they can be competitive against the top of the conference we'll find out this weekend how competitive they can be but signs have been good for the Vandals and so we'll see just exactly how many teams the Big Sky can get in but I mean the next few weeks will determine that pecking order and who gets that auto bid and what things look like in that playoff bracket 
in the weeks to come. And Brian from Tubbs at the club puts out that that power pole. It's a great thing he does. He's got a, a Sunday night podcast. Um, you know, we vote, we talk, and you know that I look at those top teams that we like to give each other crap sometimes. Who's who should be one? Who should be two, three, four? Ah, of course. How do you even know? You know, at the end of the day, what's cool, like he's, we'll find out in two or three weeks. Yeah, we are going to we, find out. We're going to find out. Um, I, it'd be nice if we could play sack and all play each other. I'm kind of happy we don't, though, you know, as Montana State fans. So, but everyone else kind of plays each other going forward. Uh, Davis and Eastern, I mean, they might be just as good as a lot of the other teams in the top five, but the schedule did not work in their favor this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you look at Davis, they faced South Dakota State, you know, in Brookings, lost a close one. They faced Weber at home, lost a close one. They faced you guys and got hammered. Night game. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, and and that's another tough team. Like, that's just another top 10 matchup that they had to deal with. And so it's hard. You know, that's just a really tough schedule. Who knows where any of the other teams would be with that same schedule, whether it's Bobcats, Weber, Grizz. It, chances are they would have lost at least one, if not two, of those games as well. Not all of them, like Davis, but probably at least one. Yeah. So. so, any final thoughts on Bobcats uh, stripes that you want to get out there before we move on to yeah. Northern Colorado versus Sac State? I don't want to overthink. Uh, I've probably said enough on a, playing one of the worst teams in the FCS. So let's move on. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, obviously, like we said, Bobcats roll. They end up getting the dub. I mean, the Stripes, they score just that that lone touchdown in the first quarter. And so, 37-6. to six, Game is never in question. Um, take care of business at home. For homecoming, no less. So, let's talk a little bit about Northern Colorado. Now, we just talked about you know, worst one of the worst teams in the FCS. Um, but it's weird because, you know, NoCo lost to Houston Christian earlier in the season. That raised some eyebrows. Houston Christian, not a very good team. Um, they barely beat Lamar down in Texas. Uh, not, a, not a very quality win, right? Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they beat the Stripes. And so, like, they're feeling they're feeling froggy, but they've got to go to Sacramento and take on Sac State. That doesn't go so well. <laughs> uh, the Bears just get absolutely hammered by the hornets they lose this one 55 to 7 like it's just it was never in doubt i mean that it's it was 24 to nothing at halftime and then the hornets go on to score 21 more points in the third quarter like it was just it was never in doubt man so i mean give me your thoughts on this one i mean obviously we knew that that the hornets were gonna win because they've shown their quality the thing that we've talked about is that every single opponent that they've faced this year They've taken care of business every single time. That includes an FBS win over Colorado State on the road in Fort Collins, plus a win over Northern Iowa on the road uh, in Iowa. And so, I mean, I think that maybe Sac State isn't getting the attention that they deserve considering the resume. I mean, I, I would I have to admit that I haven't given them the attention that they deserve. But, Parley, give me your thoughts on, on the Hornets right now and kind of where they're at. Well, you know, you got to wonder what Elijah Dotson was thinking and how he feels going back to uh, this team. It's like if you you yeah. break up with your girlfriend and then she becomes a supermodel and you, you, yeah, I don't know. I'm working on a 
terrible, terrible. I probably shouldn't even continue that there, but you know, it, man, that's gotta be rough. You know, just you're on a good team. You go back, you join the bears and you get beat 55 to seven. Um, I'll tell you when I wake up every Saturday, I check the lines and these books are getting lazier and lazier on the FCS lines. Sometimes don't pace post until two hours before game time. Yeah. This one was Sac State minus 29 and a half. And that's a lot of points. Yeah. But, but... anything less than 30 was crazy in this game. Yep. So I, I loaded up on Sac and you know wasn't disappointed. I you know I don't know what the bookmakers were thinking when they made that line. I mean Idaho, I mean nothing not they're playing great this year, but they put up 56 on uh, Northern Colorado, and you knew that Northern Colorado was not going to score as many as they did in that game here against SAC. Uh, again, SAC is doing what they have to do against the competition they're playing. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not really playing much. I mean, they had the big FBS win again, Mountain West stinks. So I'm really looking forward for that game. Um, when they're all the back-to-back weeks they just that they face weber in montana back-to-back is that out yeah oh, i think i think East. The, yeah, yeah the grizz go to sack i think and then the next yeah. week the hornets have to come to us no that doesn't work because we actually play the grizz but yeah there is back-to-back weeks where they I have to play the grizz play. and they have to play us yeah. um so but one one statistic that somebody noted uh in in a facebook group and it might have been the fcs fans nation facebook group actually was that in the Troy Taylor era in Sacramento, the Hornets have not lost a Big Sky Road game. Hasn't happened. And they seem to be so good on the road. Um, yeah, they are dominant. I mean, they had the win at Wash Grizz last season. Stunning yeah. win. It was like, wow. Because the Grizz, were, they were no slouches last year. It was a playoff team, quarterfinal team. But Sac went up there and took care of business. And look, Looking at their this box score here, Sack had 332 yards rushing. Um, they had five guys with at least six carries. Um, just pretty much looks like they did whatever they wanted to against Northern Colorado. And again, I don't know what to take from this game. It's just, man, they're they're just blowing teams out. Everyone they faced. Uh, there's so when it'll be really interesting to see even this week they face off against Eastern on the Inferno. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the best matchup, even taking into account their game at Colorado State. Although Colorado State went and beat Nevada in Nevada, even though Nevada sucks. I mean Nevada sucks. <laughs> I, I mean that's FBS. Uh so sure. Sack beat the living hell out of Colorado State yeah. at Colorado State, so it's not like I don't know. I, again, let's let's see what happens when the good teams start playing each other. But it's hard not to be impressed by SAC so far. Yeah, uh, a couple of things to note with SAC. I mean, a name that maybe isn't getting the attention that it should. Cameron Scadabo. Scadabo had 124 yards on 18 yeah. carries in this game. That is a 6.9 yard average. Every time that man touched the ball, you had seven yards. Only lost a single yard in that game, so and that's I, I who that's who that guy is. And I don't know if this ESPN is correct. It says his long is seventeen, so he's just basically grinding out runs that are 
all around that, you know, six to 12, 15 yard run per run. And that's crazy. Cause usually when a guy averages 6.9, I think you brought this up last week, but with another running back, cause he's got that 60 yard run, that 50 yard run. But yeah. if you're averaging 6.9 and you're long 17, you're just, it's like, all right, two handoffs first down every time. Yep. Every time. Uh, so right now, Scatabo leading the Big Sky Conference in yards, uh, 539 yards, averaging eight per game, uh, per carry. I mean, he's averaging 107 per game. Uh, Scatabo right now um, potentially looking like a maybe a conference offensive player of the year. I mean, just the impact that he's having. And so you talked about Elijah Dotson, who just transferred away from Sac State to go play at Northern Colorado. Um had to play his old team this weekend. Didn't go so well for him. You know, he ends up just netting 50 yards. Um, you know, it wasn't wasn't awesome for him. But, uh, you know, on 16 carries, 3.1 yard average with one touchdown. He scored the lone, uh, the lone touchdown for them. It's just, it's tough when you have to, you know, turn around. And I don't know what he saw in Northern Colorado as a program to say, hey, I'm going to go there. But I think maybe we, after seeing Cameron Scatabo's performance thus far this season, yeah. maybe we kind of understand why he chose to transfer because it might have been the writing might have been on the wall that the coaching staff favored him, Scatabo, over Dotson. And so it was like, well, I want to play, so I'm going to go play somewhere else. Unfortunately, yeah, some, that somewhere else was, was Greeley, and it's been a really tough road to hoe there. Some people would rather try to be the best on a bad team than second fiddle on a great team. So... And there could be, who knows? We're speculating here. There could be totally speculating personal reasons, family reasons, who knows? But, you know, from a football perspective, ugh, that's tough. Yeah. Um, but another statistic that stood out to me in this one is going back to the pass rush. Um, Sac State, who right now, I mean, you look at Sac State's defense, uh, they've been pretty good. I mean, the in terms of defensive categories, like, they're they're doing a pretty good job of getting sacks. They're you know they're 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 fifth in in the conference at keeping their quarterback upright. Uh, and but then they are eleven out of twelve at getting sacks themselves. They didn't have a sack in this game, and so it feels like their defense is elsewhere. When you look at that, you go like, okay, so what's going on then, Colby? Why why do we think that Sac State is so dominant? And I think that the answer is just because their offense is so prolific. They have the, I think the, the best offense overall in the big sky and the fourth best defense overall in the big sky. And so you take those two things together and it's like, yeah, but then I also look at the, the points that they've given up this far this season and nobody's really scoring a ton of points on them. And so, I mean, Parley, do you feel like that's a function of, the schedule because they have played teams like Utah tech. Uh, you know, they, they've played some teams that have been pretty soft. We talked about Northern Colorado. Of course, I think they played Polly last weekend, uh, you know, just like kind of bottom feeding a little bit. How real is this Sac state defense? And will it be able to hang when the time comes against the Montana's and the Weber States of the big sky conference? Boy, it, it's hard to say. I mean, of course, you know, they're, you know, holding Colorado State to 10 points. They stink, but still an FBS school uh, on the road. Uh, you and I 
held them to 21. I don't know if you and I's offense is too good this year, but still yeah. good team on the road. A Valley uh, team. Yeah. You know, Cal Poly giving up 21. That sounds like it could be bad, but I watched a bit of that game between Cal Poly and NAU and Cal Poly, you know, they, they can throw the ball up. So maybe, you know, you talk about the sack numbers with Sac State is if they're playing ahead by that much, teams are passing. And, you know, I, I, and this is purely just speculation I going off because I haven't watched really anything with Sac. Uh, I haven't watched any replays, haven't watched anything live. So, you know, you would think, though, if they're up by 2030, teams are going to pass a lot. So they should, if they're talented on the line, they should be getting some sacks, right? You know, so maybe that is their weakness. And look at this. We get to maybe find out here. Eastern hosts them this weekend. And Eastern, yeah, they, they've gone through a gauntlet, but they're still talented. They yeah. still play well at home. So I think this one is going to be, a, it, it could be an interesting game. And we'll find out some of these questions you were just asking. Yeah, because you, you mentioned Polly's passing game. I mean, folks who don't follow the Big Sky may not know this, but right now, Pat, Polly has the best passing offense in the conference, surprisingly. They're the averaging... old option team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, so with, with Bo Baldwin there now, you know, things are changing a little bit. Yeah. You know, they're, they're changing the way that they do stuff, but they're averaging 337 yards a game through the air, or 334 yards, sorry, through the air. I mean... Uh, that, that leads the conference right now, what, far and away. The next closest is actually Sac State themselves at 265 yards a game through the air. So it's clear that that's a thing. But then the funny thing is you look defensively on the other side of the ball, Sac is almost dead last in the conference at defending the pass. They're giving up 267 yards a game. Well, that makes sense air. because they're playing way ahead. So teams are airing it out. So giving up yeah. yards makes sense. Um, but – you know, not having the sacks, some of those, uh, some of those stats. You know, that's a little could be concerning. Could be, who knows? They've their their schedule coming up at Eastern, home versus Montana, home versus Idaho, at Weber. I think we're going to find out in those four weeks. You know how how good they are. Yeah, and and I think that somebody said that uh, the Hornets had never won on the Inferno. So this could be potentially the first time they win on the red turf in Cheney. We'll have to see how things go. But going back to the stats, like you said, yardage is one thing. Uh, looking at some of the others, I mean, they've only given up seven passing touchdowns this year. They've also got six picks, which is, you know, near the top of the conference right now. Obviously, you know, Montana State with eight and Weber with 11. That's the top of the conference. But six is a respectable number in the conference. And so... You're right. Like, yeah, teams are going to air it out because they're playing ahead so much and um, by by virtue of that. But it's not like teams are scoring a bunch of points through the air on them either. So it's both sides yeah. a little bit. And, you know, if someone knowledgeable like uh, Mike or, or Brent were here, they might say, you know, they've been playing mobile quarterbacks, so they're harder to sack. I don't know. You know, that's, again, uh, full disclosure. Uh, I'm a little bit behind so far this year. I'm, I'm Kind of, I'm starting to buckle down and watch these games, and you know, be a little better come, a little better commentator here. But you know, hopefully, I can still offer some good gambling advice. Yeah. So, Sack, uh, like we said, taking the trip up to Ewood, I think that's going to be an interesting game to watch. Um, we'll have to see the Eagles hurting badly right now, but 
I mean, like you said, Parlay, that schedule has been brutal. I, they, I believe that they will end with the most difficult schedule in the country when all is said and done. For sure. So let's uh, let's move on to the last one here. Um, Eastern Washington taking the trip to Ogden to take on the Wildcats. Um, this is a home homecoming game for the Wildcats. Uh, Wildcats coming off of a bye, and so being a Weber State expert, um, if you don't know, Weber State has had this weird history under the Jay Hill where they come out of the bye week flat. It's happened. They've lost games coming out of the bye week that they should win, and uh, it's been really weird. And they've tried – I mean, if you've heard Coach Jay Hill talk about it, they've tried changing things, having practice, not having practice, doing this, doing that, and they haven't been able to quite crack the code on that. So there were some concerns going into this game from Wildcat fans that maybe the Wildcats were going to – you know, have a scare put into them because of that dreaded bye week uh, dip that they traditionally have. For I think me, the the one X factor to all this was new offensive coordinator Mickey Mental, because Mental coming out and running the offense. This is his first season at Weber State, and uh, I felt like if Mental can come out and get the offense going early it should assuage some of the fears and also should give the team some confidence. And that is exactly what we saw. Second play of the game, Bronson Barron goes 65 yards to Ty McPherson, touchdown. And so it was like, oh, okay, we're playing football. They come out swinging, like, my goodness. And so it was just like, oh, okay, like, maybe this whole slump thing isn't going to happen today. But I've talked a lot about this. I mean, Parley, did you have some ch- a chance to kind of go through this Tell me your thoughts on this Ewu Weber matchup. Well, I was laughing while you said brought up that first touchdown because it, you know, as you might remember in the chat, I like the under. You know, anytime Weber's oh, in a yeah. game, that's probably stupid. But I just looked at you know that Weber's played such a tough schedule. Uh, I mean, Eastern has, and Weber's yeah. got such a great defense. You know, and coming off a bye, they might be a little sluggish, sluggish on offense. You know, Weber struggles to score except against bad defenses they always know how to score against bad defenses and you know easterns is historically not that good so you know that was the risk but i still like the under it was sitting at 65 65 and a half 66 on some books and my friend bet it at 66 and a half so he won but (laughs) when that touchdown is scored you know 14 seconds into the game and then Weber answers, you know, three and a half minutes later, I was like, oh boy, you know, and it was just quick hits. And then it still yeah. almost, I was almost able to cash on my numbers of 65, 65 and a half until Chris Jackson scored with a minute 35 left. I don't know what they were doing there to get a kid a, a touchdown, I guess, but they were already up big. But, you know, the big thing I took away from it in, is that Eastern still good they're they're got you know this schedule is just brutal but weber is better this year that bye week i mean you know maybe they were caught a little off guard in the first half but you know second half they showed their true colors that they are the better team they've got an elite defense in the big sky and the fcs as a whole and you know all those bye week you know rust was was washed away in the second half. They made the adjustments they needed to make. They gave me some hope on the under in the second half, 
before they stole that hope from me at the end with their own touchdown. But they held Eastern to one touchdown in the second half. I don't care how many guys Eastern's lost from last year or what their schedule's like. That's an accomplishment when you can hold the Eagles to one touchdown in a half. Um, you know, they scored with seven minutes left in the third quarter, the Eastern did, and did not score again in that football game. So you know, what looked like a close game would probably, you know, I don't know how nervous you were at all um, in the first half or at halftime. Were you nervous at halftime? Did you feel like this game could be lost or did you feel like we're better, we're, we're going to win this thing? What were your thoughts at halftime? So, uh, obviously, the, the Wildcats, and this has been a theme, I think, throughout the season, is that the Wildcats have missed opportunities. They go in up 21 to 14 uh, at halftime. Um, some missed opportunities. There was a goal line stand by the Eagles. Wildcats were on the one-yard line, did not punch it through, and turned the ball over on downs on the one-yard line to the Eastern Washington run defense, which is the worst in the conference. Stunning. Right. Like what's going on here? What what even is that? Um, but the thing that I do want to point out is that in the second half, like you said, the Wildcats gave up just one touchdown. That touchdown was a bad snap. That was a fumble and a scoop and score. They did not give up an offensive touchdown to the Eagles in the second half. So one of the things we like to talk about in Ogden is that Jay Hill is the master of second half adjustments. Uh, I think a prime example of this is if you follow the Wildcats in 2019, they played Kennesaw State at in Ogden in the playoffs. I think it was the first round. It might have been actually it might have been the second round because we made the quarters that year. Yeah, and we played Maine in the next game. By was was it? Yeah, was it? Yeah. their first game, but Kennesaw's second game. I think That's right. Is what it was. Kennesaw being an option team that year, they had a lot of success on the edges in the first half. Second half, Jay Hill shut them down. They had no success. That like that was just taken away, and they didn't do very much after that. And so there was confidence, I think, in Ogden that so from what we've seen so far, I mean, they are very good at making those adjustments defensively to keep the other team from scoring. Right. So so even if the the offense is a little bit anemic, like we saw against Davis, Davis holds the Wildcats to just 17 points. It's their lowest all season. Uh, the defensive adjustments were enough that Davis did not score in the second half. And so that was enough, or actually they might've scored like a, a field goal or something, you know, but like, that was it. They, they keep teams out of the, out of the red zone. And when they do make it into the red zone, they make sure that they take it away. So looking at some of that right now, right now, the Wildcats have the best red zone defense in the conference uh, of the 12 visits that the opposing team has been there, only six have resulted in a score, only three of those a touchdown. So just elite numbers when the chips are down. But um, the first half, I think Wildcat fans may be a little bit nervous because things had not gone their way. The offense was playing better than it had against Davis a couple of weeks before, but had missed some big opportunities to go up massively. And so still some kinks to work out in that, in the new Mickey mental scheme. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up here, Parlay, is that uh, we talked about the fact that Eastern has the worst run defense in the conference. Um, I think for Wildcat fans, they were looking forward to that because 
the Wildcats traditionally have very good running backs, and that that was the case. You had Damon Bankston, the sophomore out of Texas, 14 carries, 94 yards, averaging 6.7. Our guy Dante McMillan, uh, sophomore running back out of Washington State, uh, he had nine carries for 93 yards. That's 10.3 average uh, and a couple of touchdowns. We had Dante McMillan on the show on Weber State Weekly this week to talk a little bit about that. And I mean, DMAC is feeling really good, but we saw Josh Davis go down, who, you know, is very good. I, I always say he's very good on the edges. Josh Davis, he's he's good in space. He's not as good running through the tackles, and he ended up getting injured again. That's a, been a problem for him. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the running game, I think that Wildcat fans felt confident going into this one that, yeah, that we were going to be able to move the ball. But I think that the, the thing that we've seen that has surprised Wildcat fans maybe is the play of Bronson Barron. Bronson Barron had been okay the last couple of seasons with new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Mickey Mental. His numbers have greatly improved, and now he's currently sitting in the conference, I think at number two or three uh, in the conference right now in passing. Oh, he's actually four now because R.J. Martinez down in Northern Arizona had a really great game. But, I mean, last season, Barron was near the bottom of the conference in passing yards. So to see him all of a sudden jump up into the top four in the conference marked difference from the offenses the Wildcat fans have seen in the past few seasons. They put up a very balanced attack against Eastern, you know, 237 in the air, 223 on the ground. And that's what you want to see from a team. Um, so, you know, yeah, Northern, I watched that Northern Cal Poly game, like you, like I said earlier, and, you know, you just had two teams that were airing it out and didn't have much defense. So, you know, they're going to put up, it, it looked good. It was entertaining. But I don't see either team doing that against a Weber, against uh, the Grizzlies, you know, against Sac State. So, you know, a lot will, you know, a lot of this is just speculation right now. And at least we get to find out, you know, on the field in the next two to three weeks. Yeah. Um, so Wildcats ended up taking care of business in the second half. They they go on a, just a hot streak, and they score 24 points in the second half to pull away. Of course, like we said, Eastern getting just that one scoop and score touchdown on a, on a fumble, and uh, that's it. That's their offensive production in the second half. So Wildcats pull away, ruining your over-under, <laughs> which, uh, sorry, man. Sorry about that. But <laughs> you can't is. win them all. Yeah, it is what it is. And, I, I mean, I totally understand the bet because in years past – the Wildcat offense has been middling at best. And so you take those unders, right? Because you know that it's going to be a grinded out defensive style of play. That's what the Wildcats are famous for. Um, but with new coach, offensive coordinator, Mickey Mental, uh, it's a new new sheriff in town and a new offense. So we'll see how it continues to progress because we're just not used to that in Ogden. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> it's fun to see because, you know, it's like, goodness gracious, that Montana State Weber game last year. You know, it was grind it out. Really enjoy watching those games. You know, and so if either of those teams can move the ball, keep you know your defense is a lot. At least it seems that way. Is stayed a lot stronger year over year than the Bobcats. But both offenses look like they've improved quite a bit. Yeah. And I don't know. I I love good def defense wins championships, but. It's so much more fun when your team, when the team you're rooting for can move the damn ball and score some points. 
Yeah, that's facts, man. So um, we'll find out exactly how that looks. Uh, there will be a rematch in Bozeman in a couple of weeks uh, between the Wildcats and the Bobcats. We'll see kind of how things stack up because it's a couple of different different looks for both squads, I think. But uh, Wildcats taking the trip up to Portland State this weekend uh, to take on the, the Portland State Vikings who strangely beat the Wildcats in Ogden last year, pretty much knocking them out of playoff contention. Um, probably going to remember that going to Portland State this weekend because – Guys weren't happy. First time the Wildcats have missed the playoffs since 2015. Yeah, revenge game, you know, and it'll be revenge interesting game. to see what the spread is, you know, because that's one of those games could be a trap game because you're in between Eastern off a of bye, and then uh, they're going, you know, they've got uh, what, Montana next week or Montana State. Yeah, we're <laughs> facing your guys. Yeah, Montana State. So it's like, that is your typical trap game. That's the one that's really tough as a coach to get your, your team focused. Uh, you know, especially playing at that high school field out in Portland, out in Portland, but yeah. you know, I don't know if they need extra motivation this year because like you said, Portland state came Ogden last year, and knocked them out of the playoffs. So, you know, I, I think, I think Weber will be fired up. They, I see them winning big this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the thing to me that is important is that um, this new-look Wildcats offense, Portland State currently ninth in the conference in passing defense. Um, the Wildcats sitting at, you know, not not prolific. They're sitting at ninth in passing offense right now, but that's because, you know, sort of like the Bobcats, they've had a really productive run game. It has been very balanced, which is what Coach Mickey Mental promised. Um, so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how things shake out. But, you know, depending on how the lines look, might might want to take the Wildcats. We'll see. Um, all right, man. Let's wrap this up. We've talked about the three what we felt were most impactful games this week, but let's give offensive MVP and defensive MVP. Parlay, let's start with offense, man. Who in the conference did you feel was the offensive MVP last week? Well, I kind of have to be a homer here. I mean, sure. and, you know, between you, me, and the listeners, Maybe I wasn't fully prepared here, but <laughs> <laughs> when when my guy who it'll be interesting to see how he's used this week and going forward, when my guy gets, you know, three rushing touchdowns as a QB, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. You know, Sean Chambers, I, I'm going to be a homer, but that part, half of that's lack of preparedness. So it's not all being a homer. No, yeah. I mean, Sean Chambers has been absolutely a revelation for the Bobcats. I totally understand the pick. He continues to impress. And like you said, I think there's going to maybe be some some controversy uh, coming up very, very soon because, man, I mean, he's he's really proved himself. But touchdown Tommy also proved himself in the playoffs last year and has been very productive. And so uh, we'll just have to kind of see who it, who or how they manage that. But if all else fails and they just end up having Tommy throw the ball and have Chambers run the ball, that's not the worst thing in the world, is it? Because I think it also creates problems for defenses because it's like Chambers can throw the ball too. And so if it's a, you know, if it's like a quick out and then he actually throws the ball down the field, that's, that's tough. That's really difficult to, to deal with. Or if he chooses to, you know, cause they're going to commit to stopping him in the backfield, it's going to be man coverage and he can throw the ball. So 
We'll see how it works. But for me, man, I am going to go with Sac State's Cameron Scadabo. I mean, he really yeah, had a great right game. Answer. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's been great, man. 124 yards on 18 attempts at 6.9 yards per carry. Uh, just one touchdown. Like I said, the big thing to me, he lost just one yard. That's it. Like this man is constantly moving forward. And so for me, it's like, man, this guy probably needs a little bit more press because um, he's been really good. So now let's flip it. Let's go defense, man. Who are you feeling is your defensive MVP this week? Well, let me just, you know, step outside the box here. You could say it's lack of preparedness too, and you know, not knowing <laughs> the kids, but um, you know, based off the marquee matchups, the, the slim pickings and the actual performance on the field, I'm going with Jay Hill, Grant Duff, and Joe Dale shutting out Eastern's offense in the second half. I mean, Eastern can score. That's what they do. You know, they they're prolific. I don't care. They don't have EB three anymore, but it's their mantra is next guy up. Uh, you know, it, it, they're scary on offense and for to hold them to zero offensive points in 30 minutes of football is pretty damn impressive. So I'm going to give it to the, obviously the kids had to make the plays, but obviously, but adjustments were made. And that's just, that's going to be my defensive MVP. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be my homer pick, actually. Uh, looking at the defenses, I mean, I, I, I wanted to go with Callahan O'Reilly. He, he had a really impactful pick in that game against Idaho State. But I had picked Callahan last week. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was last week. Um, but anyway, I previously picked him. So I was like, ah, I can't pick him again. Like, maybe choose somebody else. So for me, it's going to be sophomore defensive end for the Wildcats. New Celestine. I don't think Wildcat fans, they were a little bit nervous going into the season. We weren't sure how the defensive line was going to shape up. Uh, we had some key guys that were lost. Uh, we had a, a transfer away. And so it was just like, who is going to step up into this role? Because George Tarlis goes to Boise State. Uh, Jared Sheese, defensive tackle, graduates. He ends up becoming Mr. Wildcat, playing the most games uh, in Wildcat history. Um so it was like, what's going to happen? And New Celestine has really been uh, a revelation. He comes away with two sacks, which is a, a criticism we've had of this Wildcat squad that they haven't been getting home quite enough. Wildcats come away with five sacks in this game to kind of boost their numbers to get back in the running and at least have a decent look. And so uh, it's got to be New Celestine for me, man. He was really, really phenomenal in this game. Um, got Talkington is a very good quarterback, um, definitely top of the conference. I think that's an easy argument to make. And uh, Celestine got some pressure on him and, and really made his, his day a little bit tough. So uh, that's it, guys. I mean, that's Big Sky Big Takes for this week. Parlay, any parting thoughts before we wrap it up here, man? I, I'm just excited that we actually get to see two teams with winning records in the FCS face off for the first time this season next week when Idaho comes to Montana, yep. you know, and a couple other interesting games too. So, you know, that's, the schedule, the season's just getting started as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a good point. Big Little Brownstein uh, will be played this weekend uh, in, in Missoula. And so uh, that'll be that'll be a fun matchup. We'll kind of see what uh, Idaho is really all about. This will be their toughest opponent to date, who is not an FBS opponent. You know, they played two FBS games this season, but this will be their toughest FCS opponent thus far. And so we'll just kind of see how Coach Eck is... Um, is dealing with it. And plus it's a, uh, the second oldest rivalry, I think in the country or at least in the conference. So 
That Good. line open at eight and a half. I, I don't know okay. what that's in Montana because they list lines early when it comes to the cats and grizz. Uh, the other national books, they wait, they wait, they wait, they wait. I don't know why it opened at less than 10. You know, though it could be that way. Football wise, maybe it's an eight and a half point spread, but it makes no sense from a betting perspective at Wagriz with Montana betters. It almost instantly went to 14 and a half. So shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to those that did Smash get it at eight. eight and a half. Um, you know, I, someone on the Grizz fan pod might might have, uh, you know, jumped on it when I told them it was at eight and a half. Because, yeah, I good don't bet. understand that. 14 yeah, and a half. Bet. I don't know. To me, that's a stay away for me. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, gosh, if Idaho could keep this close and make things interesting to, in the fourth quarter, that would be great. That's confidence builder for them, for sure, right? I mean, huge confidence builder if they can keep it close with the Grizz at, at the caliber that they are this season uh, at Wash Grizz. I mean, one of the most difficult places to play in the country. Um, we'll see how it works out. But Two teams off a of bye. It's, the first half could be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be a little rust there, but uh, we'll see how it goes. But Montana Parlay, want to thank you so much for doing Big Sky Big Takes. So of course, want to thank the uh, – the FCS Fans Nation Network for letting us do this one. Um, like we said, co-production with the Big Sky Podcast Network. Make sure to check out FCS Fans Nation. Make sure to check out the Big Sky Podcast Network and all of our um, fellow podcasts out there. Uh, from Weber State Weekly, I'm Colby Peterson. Montana Parlay. Um, I, I needed to come up with a tagline, and so I'm going with this, man. It's Big Sky, Big Takes. <laughs>